Hey guys, welcome Sports Dev Series Super Eagles Roundtable with my very own panel of Super Eagles fans on our welcome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Arewa Baobab, Baobab Fruit Powder, uh, packed with vitamin C, antioxidants, builds immunity, and it is sold on arewabaobab.com. Thanks to them for helping us get this platform off the ground. So, guys. Which ones now? Where we want to start? Do we want to start with uh, the last qualification round and the games we played in uh, qualification, and then and see how? What do, what do you guys think about that? Good, good place to start. Absolutely. What do you think? I mean, we went in and got the job done to qualify, right? Uh, the Bennett game. Ooh. You know, um, I remember I was chatting with Michael during that game. I was so frustrated. You know, I mean, these guys were not doing anything special. They just sat back in their own half of the field. You know, they they came in to defend and they were trying to catch us on the counter. We couldn't create any chances. We were abysmal. I don't even know what the problem was. We weren't clicking properly. And then, you know, kudos to Bennett. They put us on a terrible pitch as well. You know, so that that's another thing that calf needs to needs to fix, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. They're not fixing anything. You know, they put us on a terrible pitch, so our guys couldn't string together two passes. You know, as as fate will have it, last minute of the game, you know, why after Paulo Noachu came in, we were able to get that little goal. You know, so I don't know. What do you guys think? What, how, how did you guys evaluate that game? Uh, um, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Um, so you pretty much... Uh, highlighted a couple of things. So if I were to look for the positives in that match, I would say number one was, um, of course, we're talking about that match, you have to have context of the fact that one of our main players, Alexi, will be mysteriously had tested positive for the COVID uh, virus when a few days later he wasn't positive anymore. So there, there seemed to be some sleight of hand over there from the Beninois. And in fact, just uh, a few days later, it seems like they were repaid in kind when they went to Sierra Leone for their own match when they all of a sudden at the start of the match, five of their key players all of a sudden tested positive for uh, COVID and the match ended up not being played as a result. So that is one of the outstanding matches in the CAF qualification series. But coming back to, um, coming back to the Nigeria match, what are the positives from that match were uh, seeing a guy like Henry Onyekuru all of a sudden performing well in Super Eagles colors. You know, because prior to now, it's, it's been one of those conundrums. Like, how is this guy not being able to fit into the Super Eagles? He seems to do well in Galatasaray. It seems like that's the one club that uh, he seems to do well in. Doesn't really do well in the French League, but much is expected of that young man. And he came in and took the left side as his own at the start of the match with some aggression. Another good thing to see was the return of Victor Simen. Uh, seeing him just torment the Beninois defense again. A lot of this was early in the match. And good connection with Onyekuru, it seemed. And in general, it was a difficult match for Nigeria for, for a couple of reasons. One, the fact that prior to kickoff, we found that we qualified. So you, you just human nature, you can say that the boys probably, who knows what their morale would have been or the hunger they would have had to win the match. But one can't say that they didn't have hunger because they pushed forward the entire match and were looking probing to try to break down a packed defense, like you said. Ben was playing at home. But they had no intention of attacking the Super Eagles. Their intention was to put all 11 men behind the ball. And if you watch any world football, you know that's a very tough 
tough task to break down, and especially the Nigerian Super Eagles, where one of our biggest issues is the creative midfielder, how to unlock when we have packed defenses like that. Anyways, uh, just not to take up the whole time of this conversation, I would say the other positive is seeing us snatch victory at the very last minute, and also from a set off the back of a set piece, because these are things that good teams do. You know, no matter the odds, if you watch enough Serie A, Premier League, Ligon, and La Liga, you always see the top teams who press and press and press, and at some point, either close to the 90th minute or at the death, they snatch the victory. And and so I didn't quite see, I didn't look at the performance per se as much as uh, the result. That was a result-oriented game, and the result and the last minute to snatch victory, and then to make it be Paul Onuachu that scored the goal, much maligned. It couldn't have been more positive from that standpoint for Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. NFL. Um, I mean, from that uh, match, I really feel like they brought out the best out of Nigeria because it was like a lot of tests for them. I, I really, I followed that match. I watched the match. And um, I'm going to say like Benedict, they, they retrieved back in terms of going for more defense that coming from an attack. Uh, but uh, I see there's a different improvement, even though it was a last minute goal, um, the changes was good. But I also think the strikers also, you know, the way they play in their, in their foreign club, they should be able to exhibit the same character and the same attitude when they come to play for the uh, national, for the Super Eagles national team. So, um, I mean, it was a good victory, even though they already qualified before they, they qualified already before the, uh, the last game. So I think like there's a big change. There's um, kind of a big change, but I didn't expect them to play with Benny, you know, play with Benny in that kind of form. And I, I believe that they should have like trash Benny, like five to four goals, five zero. But that game was different. That game was excellent. Like was really different. You know, if you look at back in the days about like Nations Cup or African game, once you see Nigeria Super Eagles, any team that come across Super Eagles, like boom, when they hear Super Eagles on in their group, they call them group of death. And when anybody that sees Super Eagles, like, oh my God, like, they start, like, everybody starts shivering. But nowadays, I think it's kind of still different because these guys, they don't really bring out that expectation. Uh, people really expect the way they see them to play, like, the way they see them playing in their professional clubs. But um, I just feel like there's a good difference. And I'm very, you know, I'm glad that this year now they are, like, um, you know, going down to Nations Cup. So I think something good is coming out of this. Mm, yeah, yeah, be to me. I mean, for me personally, I, I, I've refused over the years to lower the bar of expectations when it comes to the super, you know, performances. And you know, for the most part, it's been. I mean, most of the, most of the most of our outings are falling short of the expectations. And I, I like to always work with the mindset of you know the glory days of the 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 ninety fours, the ninety six, you know, uh, squad and all of that, where. You know, in the re recent decades, that seems to be like um, the shining light when it comes to Spygo scores that we've had and dream teams. To be honest, uh, we've seen ourselves struggling year in, year out, tournament in, tournament out. Even though, yes, there have been some flashes of brilliance in some tournaments. Um, even when Keshi was at the Ames, you know, we saw our, you know, a team that showed a lot of, you know, a lot of great attitude, you know, um, a lot of winning <coughs> mentality and all of that. But I think the, the biggest... Uh, 
deficiency, if I can put it that word, is we, we don't seem to have that mentality of, you know, um, that winning mentality, so to speak. Uh, I see, I mean, honestly, personally, uh, so Nigeria versus Benin Republic is, is that's the last kind of game that I would expect to be on the edge of my seat when I'm watching the, when I'm watching the match, right? Uh, it should be one of those fixtures that I would say, okay, I could easily predict, like, would, would overrun them, to be honest. Uh, we didn't see that happen. Uh, we saw a late, very, I think, 94 minutes goal, you know, uh, on, on that outing. If you ask me personally, that wasn't good enough. Again, if you compare, you know, even on the surface, if you look at the, the, the quality of players that were parading in that team, you can't, there's not, you can't compare the Benet side to us. They don't match us when it comes to uh, the caliber of players that we that we parade, and that's my personal opinion. So I I definitely feel like they still I, I expect a lot more from the squad. Uh, again, like Mike said, definitely the fact that they knew they already qualified already getting into that match that also played a role because we've always known the team with that mentality. Okay, there's they don't put in their very best when it comes to or they don't give their all when it comes to matches that they know are not you know uh, as competitive or qualifying for them. Uh, in this case, they already knew they were really qualified, so it was more like. But they still needed to understand that there's there's pride at stake, there's um, reputation at stake. That's the kind of team I want to see. The Super Eagles, uh, that that type of image, that type of text and hunger. Let it be, you know, uh, we are waking again in the team like we used to know in the, in the past. So personally, I still expect a lot more because I'm looking at the World Cup qualifier, uh, World Cup qualifiers coming starting in June. I want to see, you know. That with that same mindset, then I'm not going to be as confident. But I want to see a very hungry team, a very determined team that would play like their life depends on it. That's the kind of attitude I want. Sometimes it's not really about the, the, the results, but it's about how hungry you know these guys are when they are when they are wearing those those jerseys. Uh, so that's my own personal take. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I mean it's good that at least we know we have a, we qualified for that that tournament for the Af Afcon qualifiers already. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. bit of me and uh, NFL. I, to a certain extent, I would disagree that um, that they didn't try. That I don't think, I don't think the the Super Eagles didn't put in their best effort in that match against Benin. I, I saw a team that actually, in terms of effort, they were trying. So I don't, you know, science, and this is this is where these things go sometimes. I think it's it's unfair for us to not highlight the pitch from trying to. Uh, analyze Super Eagles' performances. And uh, Boma already mentioned this, that that pitch was atrocious. That's going to have an effect on the, the quality of play that we see. And then and, and then the other part of it, too, is that when we talk about, uh NFL was mentioning that, you know, the name Super Eagles used to strike fear in the hearts of teams. Yes, but that was back in those days when those other countries didn't have professionals playing the European you know, our guys were the only ones with only a few other African countries that could boast more than five professional players. Everyone else was playing in local league and unknown. But now, the exposure that a lot of African countries have, once you're exposed, you're playing in the same league as these guys. You know, that, that fear factor is sort of going to be removed. They still respect us, but I, I wouldn't expect them to fear us like that anymore. So the pack has come up a little bit, you know. And then... When we look at the, um, I know we always like to put the 94 sets and 96 sets and all that's, you know, that era of Super Eagles on a pedestal. Let's, let's be very honest with ourselves. All through our, we're all about the same age. And I know that growing up, we all expect to lose away, maybe draw, and win at home. 
But these set of Super Eagles are winning on the road in qualification. And they've done that consistently now for three rounds of qualifiers that um, or, or Gernot Roy has been in charge of. So, yeah, you may say the performance doesn't look good, but this, this is today's football. There's no, no team is just going to stand up and dominate another team all the time. And Bennett has pedigree. They are they made it to the quarterfinals of last year, the last African Cup of Nations. When you stack their players up against ours, of course, you would expect nine times out of ten that we will defeat them. But the days of us just walking in and beating teams 5-1, 6-0, I, I think that's unrealistic to expect those days. Yes, you want to see better performances from the Super Eagles, but then again, you have to look at things from the prism of look at the pitch that we're playing on and all the other external factors. So that's that's just all I want to say about that. Yeah, let's talk about the pitch for a second. So with, with you know, as we all know, Pinnick has been appointed as, as part of FIFA Executive Committee, which which generates a lot of influence. Um, Nigeria is a very influential partner, uh, member of CAF. Um, why can't these guys really try to push for legislation to make sure that teams, they set a minimum standard for the quality of field? You want the long story or the short story? I mean, <laughs> any, any anyone, because because here's the thing, right? So, like you said, most of these players, not just in Nigeria, across Africa, play and earn their living. This is how they feed their families, right? At the at top European clubs, right? They come down to play games for a few days and then run back back to their jobs, right? So when you put up these pitches that are sub substandard, you're not only most teams think they're trying to gain the advantage, but you're also risking injury for a lot of these players who feed themselves and their families by playing for clubs. So at this point, I mean, you have to ask yourself, how long, how much longer will FIFA continue to allow this kind of thing go on when, you know, or Nigeria for that matter, because we, we, we suffer from it the most. All our guys play. I used to having pitches that the ball just rolls seamlessly, you know, so... We need to be able to push like saying, say, look, you guys can't continue to just have host us and then we come to your pitch and it's just a mess. You know, we can't even string together two passes. Well, Bumma, before we open our mouths to say something to Sierra Leone or Bennett, well, let's let's talk about ourselves first. What about our pitches? Our pitches aren't aren't that great. You know, when we played um when we played Sierra Leone in the first leg, that pitch in Benin wasn't was substandard. So um, even the, the last match we played in uh, Lagos, we were all saying the pitch is better, better compared to all the other pitches that we've been playing on. But in reality, that pitch does not meet the minimum standard requirement of, of FIFA International, you know? So we as Nigeria, we can't even stand up and say, say to other countries, improve your pitches, because they'll be looking at us and saying, improve your pitches. So I think, in my opinion, this the buck falls squarely on calf's uh desk but are we really expecting calf is going to do anything about that I mean, you're not good. Uh, the, i think the short answer to this is corruption so that's that's just what it is you we know how in those parts of the world how contracts happen the contracts to build the pitches and the stadiums are there given awarded but the, the quality of the pitches that come out after the contract has been executed is not anywhere close to what the money that was spent on it is. And 
We're talking about simple things. The last time we had this podcast, you mentioned something about your know, high school pitches are better than some of those pitches. Until we until we get that right, man, the quality of our football is never going to be where it needs to be. Yeah, and the, the thing is this, right? So we talk about Africa, the exception being North Africa, right? If you go play a game in Egypt or you go play a game in Tunisia, you go play a game in Morocco, you're guaranteed to be playing on a quality pitch. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when the game starts, you can tell whether a North African team is playing at home or away. <laughs> right? Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as if you catch the game late, you come in late. You, if you don't know whether you're playing at home or away, just look at the pitch, and you're like, okay, they're playing in Morocco. You get it. But so my my thing is, right? It's it's one improves the quality of the football. But two is like, look, come on, end of the day. And, and and your point about us, Nigeria, if we push for CAF to do that, then we would also be held responsible. And that might make us have to step our game up, right? So, but but be the me NFL, you know, please go ahead. It still comes down to, and this is directly related to why there's still a debt of uh, sponsorship, commercialization at scale, you know, in, in our football. Uh, as we all know, football is big business, and and that's why even today, even our local league in Nigeria is still like eighty percent politicized. You know, there's political <laughs> influence. Um, state teams are almost hundred percent dependent on state governments of whatever whatever their own you know facilities are. So it's then you find governors interfering, you know, just putting what they want to be at the helm to manage teams and all of that. So it's still we you see nobody gets. Or no system succeeds or, or or you know achieves its full potentials in that kind of environment where things are not done properly i've always said this for as long as i can remember you know it, it, i think it's more like a, just a cultural it's just that our attitude of you know i always try i like to make reference to even the the, the stadium in abuja i remember when that still used to be like the idol you know, of our, of our stadiums in, in Nigeria when after it was built, I think 99, I think it was commissioned 99 or 2000 or so. I had the privilege of visiting the stadium at the, those early days when, and I was like, I felt that pride, like, wow, this is in Nigeria. I mean, this, that stadium could, you know, could have competed with any stadium in Europe as far as, by my own estimation. <clears throat> but now, just a few years down the line, if you go back to that same stadium, <laughs> you think you're in a, in a forest or something like that. Uh, and that's why some news around somebody awarding the contract of over 100 million naira for somebody to go and cut the grass or whatever. Sometimes you know it's you now if you see the decay, the decay gives room for that corruption in the system. You know it, what the result of that is that there's so much decay that we see you know come out and then people still keep profiteering from that. You know because how would you spend billions in creating or in in, in uh, creating a stadium of that of that of that magnitude, and not have some sufficient budget from the sport ministry to manage or maintain those. You know, it's. But it's surprising those things are on paper. Those budget are on paper, but it just never really trickles down. It just never. It's never used for what it's supposed to be used for. So, is it? Is I, I think it's just the, you know, the culture that we have there that where we don't care so much about our assets, our sports assets, and all of that, and that also mm -hmm. is reflective in how we even administer football as a whole. Uh, on the local scene, and it's sad. Uh, and again, our commentary is usually that of you know voicing our regrets and our bitterness about how outings are the way they are. But who's going? Where do when do we move the next you know foot forward and you know towards the right direction? 
it's still it's still a, it's still a bit like a tall dream because it's still politicized. You and I can be sports administrators. I mean, sport technocrats. We can say all the things that we know about how it should be done rightly. But do we have our being heard? Do we, our voices is our voices getting to the corridors of power where things actually happen? No. So it's we keep going around that recurring decimal, and then you know, yeah, still that is a sorry state. But I, I mean, we I think we can really do a lot better than we're doing, which we all agree with. So we'll see how that goes. Um, for me, I just uh, I think again, number one thing that Nigeria is sort of like really lacking is more about the grassroots, which is which is something I feel like they don't take serious, like they don't like no nobody really take it that serious. Like you know, like I I always imagine you know when I was um, still like younger uh, playing in Nigeria, you know, is because of who know who again again before that you know. If you go like they have like principal cup, I think that what is principal cups or uh, local government championship. <coughs> if they really invest in that, I think they will get more players from that from from that thing. But I another thing I think uh, could be one of the biggest problems is that you see these boys that travel out internationally. I understand that's where they get their paycheck from. That's where they get the, that's where they get paid. You know, they because if somebody's paying you real money. Of course, you'll be able to. You want to die for it. You want to go extraordinary hard because, especially, earning three hundred fifty thousand pounds in a week. Me too. I would die for anything. You know, I would die for that too because I would go harder. So, you know, even though I cannot play, I would. I would do my best. So sometimes I don't blame them when they play over there. Again, this comes down to management. How the, you know, the Nigerian government. How do they, you know, the NFL and how do they really manage the system because if you don't take care of the players how do they want to be loyal to this country you know especially you know i'm not trying to divert this conversation but um i know during the last qualifier i saw about the gabon team with Obamiam and all that stuff they were stuck in the airport for like imagine a whole professional player and you know this can never happen in their club side it would never happen but why is it in the national team for African countries? Why does this really happen all the time? You know, see that they are stuck in the airport or they, you know, they are on the air, there's no more fuel, or there's maybe Nepal took light or something. There must be something going on. This really distracts the players. Because you have to understand, these players travel from Europe down to, you know, wherever they want to play the match. For example, they want to play the qualifier in Africa. They have to travel, play a match, travel down to Africa. It's jet lag. Now get used to the um, you know the weather the condition. Although that was where they started from before they went to Europe, but where you don't play, where you don't play or train all the time, these guys they are like part-time players. They are like part-time visitors in Nigeria because they don't even live there. So when they come, they just come visit, and after the match, the next day they are gone. They don't even stay there for like maybe another two or three days. So what I what I'm trying to say is that I think this uh when the, when the nigerian government really the nfl and the sport management the minister of sport if they really take care of these players trust me they will perform well in as much as brazil how bad brazil is like you know the country and very nasty corrupt and all that stuff the minister of sports does not even play joke with those players that's why you see brazilian players in every game maybe friendly match or anything 
they go extraordinary high, like as if it's World Cup. They play all games like finals. So, and the majority of the team team players, they pick at least six players from the grassroots because they really breed them. They breed them more. They take care of them. So these are the things I think Nigerian government should, uh, Nigerian uh, sports, uh, you know, minister should even really look into. And all this, hmm? go ahead, sorry. And all this, um, you know, interfering with the politicians, interfering with the sport. This has to be segregated. This has to be divided. You know, they need to focus on sport if they want to really grow, because. We used to say, "Oh, we are the giant of Africa," but now we—I don't—I don't really see us being the giant of Africa. In the likes of Okocha, Amokachi, you know, you know, Taribo West, when people hear about super egos, in fact, you'll be free, you'll freeze. But now, you know, it's like, you know, it's like as if you're going to going to a store, a thrift store, like, you know, you might you might see something. It's like maybe you're playing the match, even better, even Lesotho. Can even beat Super Eagles now. They are, they are not afraid. You know, these yeah, players okay. are not. Huh? Let, let me uh, know a couple of things you said. I just want to kind of um, comment on the the Brazil comparison. Uh, is very very. Yeah, Brazil is is the developing country, too, and they have all those issues as well. But I think in terms of football and their clubs, you know, Brazilian clubs are privately owned, well operated and run businesses they they turn a profit those brazilian clubs if a player is functioning well at a brazilian club and european clubs come to try to buy him a lot of times they say no the money is not enough they turn it down a lot of times they turn it down and those players say yeah fine i'll stay at home and play for flamingo and i'll get paid a lot of money after all we all saw what happened when pato went back home to play you know and he made good money so those guys <clears throat> They do well, but then in Nigeria, what happens is recently I went up, I went in and I looked up uh, the budget for the National Sports Commission, which is the Ministry of Sports. There's a whole section of the budget that they've carved out for NFF. It, they don't carve it out for any other sport. Just one whole section, one whole category of the budget is just NFF focused. Employee salaries, everything. So when you take money like that from the government, from the federal government, you don't have a choice but to have federal government involvement in everything you do. It just it, they're, they're pretty much feeding the NFF, you know, and um, which brings us to the next point is what, what do you guys think about the boat ride from <laughs> the, boat, the boat ride from from Lagos to so that boat ride is yes. on its own now. Um, one of the things that we do here is we always castigate. But then there's no trust in government, and because again, we I think we've documented that many times already in the short time that we've been on this podcast. Corruption, incompetence, square pegs and round holes, and just things administratively that just are eye scratching or head scratching. I beg your pardon. And um, <clears throat> on the surface, we look at the boat ride and. I think it's our first instinct is to criticize. But actually, when you look back on it, <clears throat> you know, it ended up being a major PR success. Um, and for, for a couple of reasons. One, they use it to highlight the, um, the Lagos State uh, Waterways, you know, so the, the, the agency that takes over that, controls that, 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 that particular um, aspect of life, and actually use it to sort of boost 
that agency and encourage people to uh, decongest the roads and use waterways instead. Because a lot of Lagosians are very skeptical about getting on those boats and using it to travel from one end of the of the island to the other. That was one. The other, the players loved it. So the players ended up really saying that they really loved it. Now, of course, they could just be saying that because, you know, that's what the, the line is. I think because they have a good insurance. I will not enter that boat, sorry. If it's a speedboat, I will not enter. If it's a boat, I will take me to heaven. I don't want to enter that boat because I don't trust any, I don't even trust my, I don't even trust the passengers or even anybody. Yeah, yeah, I oh, what I, so, so I don't know if anyone's ever flown from maybe like Lomad to Lagos here before. That's a, a flight that literally just goes up and comes, comes down. down. Come down, yeah. Because it, it takes, it takes like about minutes. 20 minutes to fly. 20 minutes or so. 20 to 30 minutes to fly. Mm. And, and, you know, it's Bene is closer. To is Nigeria, Benin, Togo. So going to Kotonou, the only options are go by road. I know a lot of people are like, why didn't we charter a flight? Eh, not really realistic. When you go back and look at it, because what are you talking about? Like literally you're talking about, and that's not really safe from uh, if people who fly will tell you that that's not ideal. And especially when you're talking about chartering the plane, the costs will be astronomical. And I know we say we're in Nigeria, but look, we're in a COVID time when things are not, you know what I'm saying? Like, money is tight. I kind of get it. Going by road was not an option. For not me, option. I'm going to tell not you, an option. when it yes. comes to Nigeria, going by road is an option. Because I'm there's a lot of money these people are hiding. I understand. I understand. Okay, I understand it's not an option. That road is bad. You're talking about your Super Eagles players. You don't want them being on that road. And crossing that border is not easy. I don't know if anyone has ever crossed that semi border before. It's I, not, I've, not like I mean, I've, I've driven down to a semi border like a few times. So, and, and at the end of the day, when you look at all the options, they actually pick the most efficient option. Yeah, optics don't look good, but when you look at what happened, also another thing that I want to point out too is that when Alexi will be ended up being uh, diagnosed with um, with COVID, COVID. Now, this was un unintended consequence, an unintended positive. Because we took the boat, it became simple enough to just ferry him back to Lagos instead of having him quarantine and because he would have had to quarantine in Benin. And then he would have been lost for the next match that we end up playing mysteriously because he all of a sudden didn't test positive. But that's a whole different situation altogether. But moving him by boat actually worked out because it was like, oh, test positive? Okay, we'll take him back to Nigeria and, and, and take care of him over there. So again, in conclusion, although the optics look bad at first, if you really look at it critically, it actually was the right decision. I, I, what, I, what, what kind of boat was it? Do you know? Or is it how many boats did they fit them in? Did, it, did they put all of them into one boat, or it was oh, several? Of course boats? not. Oh, the what? players were comfortably. I don't know if you guys. Uh, no, it was one boat. It was one boat. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> the most uh, exotic kind of boat, but you know, by African standards, of course, it was just something. I personally don't have. I mean, I didn't have any too much issues, except for the fact that I just had my own little reservations around. Just again, because of the way our trademark way of doing things uh, in a mediocre way, like with all the safety considerations put in place. I know, okay, I want to believe there was insurance, of course. NFF would have, there should, there should have been some sort of insurance coverage for the team, even, even, if, they went, even if they went traveling by, by, by boat. Uh, every member of that team, I want to believe there's some sort of insurance coverage for them. But it, as far as it was not an option that was hurriedly 
uh, arrived at at the, at the levels are, you know, to say if they had an original plan and then they just budged out at the levels are, okay, if all the all the considerations were put in place, all the arrangements uh, were properly done, I, I mean, because from the players that were interviewed that I watched, they seem happy with the experience. They've always been used to flights, you know, uh, not so much of road travels, you know, in recent times, but mostly flights. Like Mike said, I think uh, I think it's probably the most reasonable mode of transport they would have used at that point, because uh, just we're talking Benin Republic. Not again, road would have been a bit also an equally good option, but for the fact that if you're familiar with the border, of course they would have to go through Badagri and the, the Badagri axis, you know, to get into Benin Republic. My mem if my memory doesn't fail me, that's one of the most Going through that border would leave you leave a very sore taste in your mouth, honestly. From the traffic gridlock you would have to encounter from Yanoba to the stretch of Okoko, going to Agbara, and then start, that's is you could spend up to ten hours on that stretch. Yeah, but, we, but, but with police escort, they won't spend ten. Yeah, hours. fine. There will be some. But I tell you, <coughs> the traffic, the kind of traffic where even the police escort cannot help you. These are places that I, I know I've seen with my eyes. The same Lagos, I've seen government officials with traffic, all the security in the world. At some point, they had to turn their sirens off. That is turn off the siren because no, yeah, I mean, why are you blowing the siren for? Should they, they can't fly. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> so, so you're going to run into traffic that would defeat, you know, even your siren, your security, whatever. You can't chase anybody. You can only chase, create way for yourself when there's space, right? But now everything is packed. So, I mean, of course, going through that ordeal would have been even too much. You take too much toll on the players. The Plus, sale. road is bad. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I would. It would be a fair argument to say, look, that was the most efficient, you know, mode of transport that they could have used at the time. So, personally, I don't think uh, I didn't make too much of a big deal out of that, to be honest. Okay, so in, in terms of the boating uh, journey, we give. Pinnick a, a good grade on that one. Speaking yeah. about Pinnick, um, he's, he's, he's been nominated. Well, he's been confirmed. I don't know if he's been confirmed, but he's going to be on FIFA Executive Committee. Um, based on everything we've talked about so far and what we've seen, do we believe that Pinnick has earned that right or through his work with NFF? Because, I mean, typically, if you get promoted to something like that, that means the work you did previously was stellar that you did such an amazing job that he had to elevate you to my brother do it. my brother my brother my brother we're talking politics politics has nothing to do with your achievements it has to do with you being a good politician and no but said, but but i want us to analyze the situation and kind of look at it and say okay this guy is being promoted what like okay we're all super egos fans here we all know nfl very well we're looking at the organization and we're saying okay what Okay, let's 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 give him a, a, a clean slate right now. Let's highlight the great things that Pinnick did or has done so far in his tenure as NFF president. In my opinion, Aaron, the biggest thing that Pinnick has done in the NFF is brought some semblance of professionalism to the um, mm -hmm. to the board, but and also really really changed the the aura around Super Eagles. Mm -hmm. you know uh which is the main brand of nigerian sports in general so that's the apex the apex brand in all of the sport that's 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 the top job in nigeria when it comes to sports 
And when you look at even Africa, it's one of the top brands in all of Africa. So he's, he's, he's brought back respectability and some level of professionalism into the NFL. Wow. He's also um, sort of removed, or not sort of like reduced the dependency on the government for funds. There's uh, brought in corporate sponsorship. And again, like, I think we talked about this last time. Corporate sponsorship only comes when there's trust, some level of trust that the money is not going to be in the hands of psychophants and individuals as opposed to you know, being used for what it says it's being used for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the best thing that Pinnick has done is he's been able to rub shoulders with the big boys in, in, in either African soccer or football. football. Soccer. So he was very instrumental in bringing about uh, the takedown of Isa Hayatu, which to me might alone be his biggest achievement in, in the position as a football administrator. Because was, he, was, he, was he instrumental was, in that, though? Do, oh, we, yes, do we know? Very, very. At the, at the, he was at the forefront of the uh, takedown of, of Isa Hayatu and bring in, um, I forget the gentleman's name, the, the current head of uh, CAF from Madagascar. Uh, no, I can't remember his name. Um, well, yeah, well, he was he was he was indicted on he was indicted on corruption. Yeah, again, yeah, but that was yeah, so. But, but as soon as it was look, the thing is, when the, the, there was a breath of fresh air, when I if you recall, when there was that handover of power from Isaiah to just because Isaiah to has been doing like what most African leaders do, just holding onto the position way too long, and the air of corruption that surrounded him was just. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just all over the place. So to me, that's been Phoenix's best thing. He's he's found himself in the corridors of power, and he's he's making using that leverage to get to where he's at. I would hope that his position benefits Nigerian football, but that remains to be seen. I don't know. You know, the 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 questions I have about your comments, Mike, is it just that okay? You say broad respectability, right? So, in what regard does he bring respectability to Nigerian football? Um, yes, because there seems to be more accountability. If you think about the people that were ahead of um, ahead of him prior to when he he got there, there are always controversies uh, either related to real corruption, that FIFA corruption, for what's his name, uh, and then um, also we know that there are always problems with bonuses. Always, there always seems to have been problems at that time. Although, yes, last time we talked about the fact that there were paid uh, bonuses from the 2019 AFCON that weren't really paid yet. And coincidentally, just this two days ago, I read that those bonuses were finally paid for the 2000, to the players for 2019 AFCON participation. Be that as it may. But you hear less and less of that. Less and less of that with during Penix time, especially in the early part of his tenure. Uh, <clears throat> and just again, bring in sponsorship so now we know that money is coming in from sponsors as opposed to like government interference so back in those days how many times did the fever suspended i can count at least twice that was suspended by, by fever because of government interference and government is only interfering when they feel like you're the only option <laughs> for money you know they're not interfering when they know okay if, if they say something you can say you know we don't need you we have another option here for me i have done that yeah, I, I want to go. I want to lean on the point you made in terms of you know bo- player bonuses and all of that. Um, I'm not going to say that there hasn't been is- areas or issues where you know players are old allowances or officials are old allowances, but I think is there, there might have been something he, he did right in terms of not making it 
be all over the place, you know, like as we used to know it, where even uh, captains of Super Eagles trying to rebel again, rebel against you know administrators and say, or all them ransom, all the country ransom to say, if we don't get paid, we're not going there, blah blah blah. So all those, uh, you know, unsavory experiences where you know would see those like drying our dirty linen in public and all of that. It's been a while where we actually had those kind of things, you know, happen in the team. And that, it doesn't mean that they, these things are not happening in terms of maybe payments being delayed. But that's why I say as an, as an administrator, I think Pinnick certainly did certain things right. Um, just in making sure that those things don't become public knowledge as we used to know it before. Uh, to that extent, I want to give him some credit. But definitely there's still more, much more to be done. There's a lot of room for improvement. There would always be room for improvement. Um, this takes me back just to make another brief comment about what we discussed earlier about the bad pitching being a republic and all of that. You see, there's no how we want to isolate the issues of NFL or Nigeria out of what is happening even in Africa as a whole. Even when we're talking about Africa, let's be fair. I, 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 I want to tread very cautiously when I make that statement because when we're talking Africa, I would excuse North Africa and South Africa when it comes to football, football administration and also as well as infrastructure. They are they are way ahead of the rest of the continent when it comes to those two areas, those two you know uh, metrics. We in the West African region we are really trailing behind. We're not doing well enough, and it still comes down to. What is our administrative culture in these areas, in our own region? Uh, and that's what it boils down to. Um, so that the likes of PINIC, there's still a lot more work to be done, you know, when it comes to addressing the fundamental, whether it's by way of, you know, making sure that sports infrastructure is <coughs> uplifted to meeting standard, minimum standards, or that when it comes to the administration part of it, like uh, uh, remuneration for players and all of that, things are taking, we're taking care of. So there's still a lot of, a lot of work to be done. Still a lot more work to be done. For me, I, I, I agree with you. I really agree with you because I think that I believe that's something that has really been on my mind, you know, to talk about. But again, if we all speak, if they hear our voice, will they ever change? That's the question. Um, we've been talking about this since for long, you know, and uh, it's been so bitter because even because I remember was it uh, Nigerian Cameroon? I've forgotten one of the nations cup that Nigerian Cameroon hosted one time that the Egyptian players came. Um, this guy, Mido, if you remember him, Mido from Egypt, when, when he came, there was, uh, after, the, uh, the, after the competition, he said he was so disappointed because he felt like he broke his ankle just in the stadium walking around. He said that the place is not looking presentable for you know, to be what they'll be like to host a big tournament like that. Although they say Nigeria is it Nigeria '99 or so that they say they spend so. And if you're talking about African Cup of Nations, Nigeria and Ghana in 2000. So they say they spend so much. Correct. So they say they spend so much money and in you know in renovating and doing all these things and doing all these things, but the pitch are not like you know it's not on a standard level, and I think that's something that. NF, uh, you know, the NFF should look into, spend more money into that. It's, it's like part of investment. And when you invest in the good pitch, like buy all this, like, you know, rubber, you know, rubber gra grasses or the kind of 
of grass that they use in Premiership or in Spanish La Liga or not, spend money to buy that because it's it's a way of generating good revenue. So what do you so think about Pinnock, though? What, what's your grade on Pinnock? What do you say? How would you grade Pinnock? Would you say Pinnock? Whatever they can do, that is Pinnock or Picnic or whatever they can do. Or Picnic. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what make they use. Let them just do something. <laughs> I just want them to do something that looks valuable, that, that, that's presentable. Because, I, I mean, like they, I think, they, is it, was it Balogo Stadium or opposite to Lele National Stadium? Where they said that the no national stadium. When I went there the other time before when I was in Nigeria, I was like, I can't miss if I'm not even safe because I, I feel the feel when I walk on the pitch and it's not like really you feel like you need like you know hooker to hook your, your shoe. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know dentimite about the you know the structure, but things got to be done. You need to invest money to make money. And again, like Mr. Uh, Mr. Bright was talking about the, you know, the player, you know, commemoration, how you take care of them, how you receive them, how you bring them. All these things are very important. It plays a real part in the players and the production. You know, so if you want these players to produce, give them a conducive environment for them to come in and feel like they are coming back home. You know, you don't take them to like again. There was one hotel that they took them to. Why can't you take them to uh, what they call it? A co hotel. At least let them even relax and feel that they are in a five class, you know, five star hotel. Let they can feel that part of Europe. Both those things are motivation. Yeah, but Mr. Hennifer, I don't when you say that, I don't know if you're even paying attention. The Super Eagles, when they come into Nigeria, they're told they're they're, they're put up in good hotels. That that's one okay. see the thing I would say is this is where it's not just Pinnock. Gernot Roar has stood up for his players. One of the things I would say is, Gennett Raw, and you know, I don't know if you know things about the German way of doing things. You know, the Germans are known to speak their mind. Correct, I know. And Gennett Raw speaks his mind, and that's one thing I like about him. And he doesn't really stand for a lesson standard when it comes to his players. Generally speaking, Nigerian players under Pinnock have been well taken care of when in terms of facilities, in terms of uh, hospitality, where they're put up at, and look, you know, so that one I'm not going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just have to put a kibosh on that. There is no issues with that whatsoever, whether it's when they go to friendly matches or when they come from Europe to come to Nigeria. They are always gushing about the hospitality and the level of comfort they receive. And Mike, that, that, that's, that's, that's comparatively, right? Well, comparatively. I mean, of course, but I mean we, yeah. we all know what we have in the country. So yeah, but have, what I'm saying... What I'm saying is not, isn't necessarily the best <clears> in the world, but it's still... No, but but what it's I'm talking about is that the players themselves enjoy it, especially when they go to Leo. That's one thing you know for sure. You hear the players just gushing about Leo, the comfort level they have. So and and you know the NFL. One good thing they've been doing is they've had a good PR team where they release these videos on their um, either the Twitter handle or their and their website. They show you where the players are at, how they're put up, what's going on in camp. So you kind of get a feel for it. And you, generally speaking. From my perspective, again, I'm not there for sure. So, I, if you guys, so know, you can tell if me. they are taking good care of them in terms of hotels, hospitality, why are they, why are they owing them for months to pay them, you know, commission? Why are they owing them? So you're asking me questions I can't answer, and you know. So, but this is what I'm talking about. All those things that they do and put on social media, I'm sorry, it's bro? just to, it's just to showcase. Me and you, we know Nigerian governments. We know. Yeah, but we the, players, know. The, player, the players. One thing we want to be honest with ourselves, man. 
when the days of people like uh, the Yak, that era of Super Eagles players, uh, Ike, Ike Chuku, Kalu, and, and all those guys, when things weren't going right, you heard about it. The players complained. They talked. You're not hearing that from the players. So, again, that's what I'm just – I'm going by what the players are saying. Now, are you saying that the players are being told to speak one way or another? Well, fine. And that shows leadership to me from Garrett Raw that he's keeping these things on the kibosh. But on the, in the, on the grand scheme, in the, uh, on the balance of things, the players always seem to gush about their time here. And they all, and you, you see, they show up to camp. Just look at the, let the players' action tell me more than what they say. The players show up to camp on time. They, you, before their match ends in Europe, you're already seeing them tweeting. Can't wait to get back to represent Super Eagles of Nigeria. You know, and we're talking about the foreign-born players, the home. So that all those actions are evidence enough to me that says whatever it is, the eye service that we're seeing from those videos matches the action of the player. So. My logic tells me that they're being taken care of properly. Yeah, well, again, I said, like I said, why are they owing them money? And there's one thing I've there's one thing I've always been thinking about. You know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I think this mentality has to start changing. I know it has been a big challenge in Africa and uh, African football general. Why is it that most? You know, I know Daniel Roy is doing his own job. He's doing a good thing, but why is it that? Uh, the Nigerian Football Federation cannot look for an internal person, look for a Nigerian to handle the team, to handle that team. I know they've given chances to Keshi, uh, you know, and different people, but I feel, as an African, I feel personally, because if Daniel Rowe can do that, the, the Nigerian government, if they are wise enough, they should spend that money sending the coach going abroad to study and do all those things and they could bring the person back well okay let me let me let me, let me, let me jump in there Look, there were a couple of things i wanted to address but the first one um is the pitches and the stadiums um from what i've gathered the stadiums they, first of all there's a stadium in every single state of the 36 states there's a stadium there from Bornu to Cross River, there's a stadium in every single state. games in Bornu. Funny enough, I actually even had a player that used to play for Elkanemi. But, but the, the the um, what do you call it? And all these stadiums, right, are owned and operated by the state governments. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. For instance, Uyo, we've talked about that stadium is named, named Guzulakpabio Stadium <laughs> after the governor. Okay. So, yeah, so all, all these stadiums are owned and operated by the state government. The national stadium in Abuja is operated by the National Sports Commission, which is the Ministry of Sports. NFF does not have a stadium, right? So, NFF relies on all these states. That's why usually if they want to play uh, a qualification game or a Afghan qualifier, whatever the case may be, they will usually have state government saying, oh, come to my state, come to my state, come to my states, those sort of things. Now, one of my criticisms of NFF is that that's something that they need to take a hold of and, and take better control of. NFF headquarters is in Abuja. 
So they should, if at the very least, if you say you're going to play your games in Abuja, then you should work with the National Sports Commission to make sure that that field, nobody uses it. Most of these stadiums are white elephants. Mm -hmm. so, so you should have them say, okay, we're going to make sure this pitch is pristine and is being reserved strictly for this game coming up. And I don't, I don't have, I don't want to criticize them too much because you know sometimes you're not on the inside, so you don't know what's happening. But I don't know why they don't take hold of that situation better. You know, I even the game. Why? Yeah, but even the game in Lagos, right? The one they played at, it was it Teslim Balogun. You know, it's it's. We all knew they were playing this qualification match. We knew the date, even long before the game in Benin was played. We knew the date, but for some reason. So they had ample time. And that's why the Federation, as the governing body for all aspects of football in the country, needs to take hold of that situation and say, okay, listen, I don't care what happens. We are going to make sure this pitch is pristine. There's, it's, it's almost like, for me, for at least from my point of view, it's, it's inexcusable. There's no excuse why they shouldn't handle that better. You know, Even if the state controls it and the state owns it, NFF should say, listen, two weeks or three weeks before our game is played, we're going to send people to inspect this pitch. And if it doesn't meet the standard... But I think what happens in Nigeria, as we all know, is that because this federation is so dependent on the budget from the federal government, right? The aspect of politics comes so much into what they do every day that I don't even think Pinnick can make those decisions. I honestly, believe, I, I'm telling you, I don't think he can say to the governor, oh, look, or maybe he can, I don't know. You know, but I, I know what we see at the end of the day when the game is played is what we know. And the pitches are terrible and everything. To your second point, NFL, about the foreign coach, I mean, coming in, Keshi, outside of Westerhoff, has probably achieved more than any of these other coaches, I know he's achieved more than Raw did. He won AFCON, he qualified for the World Cup, and he took them into the knockout stages. Mm -hmm. Right? Raw, as far as I know, hasn't done that yet. So, Keshi, you know, he has his criticism, but that, that that's his that's his resume. That's what he did. You know, Keshi played in Belgium. Keshi had a UEFA license, as far as I know. So he has the pedigree to coach at a high level now the only the only my suggestion would be that instead of why are you sending them abroad you have a federation locally you can create your own curriculum and your own standard for developing high quality coaches if you start sending every single coach abroad your budget will run dry why not try to create a system to make sure you develop and bring out top quality Coach, the brain, you and I know NFL, the brains are in Nigeria. The guys are there that can do this job. Correct. Train, yeah, train and develop them, make sure that they meet the world standard or, or no aspects of coaching. Yeah, but when we're in NFL, so no. based, based on that statement, what you're telling me right now is that currently there are no coaches that are up to that level. And so you're saying train them up. And that's all well and good. No, no, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying there aren't coaches that are up to that level. What I'm saying well, okay, is let me ask you, let me be as, as a whole because Nigeria is up to that level. Give me give me some names of coaches in Nigeria right now that you'd be saying let them handle the super eagles and you you'd be comfortable that the results that we've been producing will be equally maxed at the very least or better. Okay, I'll say this. 
their results may not have matched, but in terms of qualification, they were up there. Naming yeah, the wait, 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 wait. Actually, actually Norman, you're wrong about that. No, wait. The, the, the prior to uh, Roar, we missed three out of the last four Aptons. Yes, we, we did in terms of results. So you can say coaches did not have good results. Okay, Birdie, Birdie Vokes. Results. I'll give you an example. It's Birdie Vokes. driven business. If yes. It's not just results. It's also <clears throat> results. Uh, ranking in the, in the in world football was at its lowest ever when we were leaving it with local coaches recently. We were ranked close to number 17 in the world. Currently, okay, our let's, let's let's go through the coaches, right? Birdie votes. Birdie, no, yeah, we're Birdie. about local coaches, my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but let's 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 go through let's go through results in terms of accomplishments, right? Birdie Vokes coached Nigeria. Birdie Vokes was former German international. Yeah, but Vokes UFA, Vokes wait, 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 wait. I, I'm just saying in terms of the point I'm trying to make is if we spent the time and the effort to develop our coaches as a whole, uh -huh. right, to make sure that the standard for coaching in the country is very high, by default, what would happen is you're going so, to have... So basically, at this moment, we haven't done that. My point. Uh, we haven't. We know. Yeah, we we haven't done that. Yes. That point. But what I'm saying is, it's great that we want to give the local coaches a chance, and I'm all for that. But today, as we speak, there is no coach in Nigeria that is better than Gernot Raw. From you can't say. Coach, it, it, so so here's oh, 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 here's my thing. Here's my I thing. Decide, you I disagree with you. Let me, let me say my point, please. From a tangible results perspective, and also if you look at not just a tangible result, the professionalism that is brought. When we have local coaches, this is when we always hear about all these issues in camp, factions in camp, all this nonsense. But, but let me always let me br to just bring our results down. Players not hustling, players showing up to camp. But let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that's because the Nigerian coach isn't good enough, or do you think it's because it's a Nigerian coach? I think it's a combination of both. Because you see my point there. There's always there's always two things. There's not always clear cut and dry. But I would say this, just to just to keep it nice and wrapped. Nowhere in the world does the federation go send coaches so they can to train them. What what we have is an issue where our ex players, which should be the ones at the forefront of coaching us, don't better themselves. They come back and they say, "Oh, I'm an ex player, so I'm entitled to be a coach." When we look at their resumes, what have you done? That's not that's that's not entirely true. Let me let me break let me let me break it down to you. Mutia Dekboju, right, is UEFA Pro licensed, very highly qualified, has the pedigree, even this scouting for Spanish teams. But Sunday Oliste, wait, 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 wait. Give him the job. Yeah, that's my point though. Sunday Oliste, Sunday Oliste, wait, wait, wait. Sunday Oliste is also UEFA Pro, has coached in in Holland for top teams. He didn't get the job done when he was head coach of nigeria but he didn't get the job done but he had but he had the pedigree right emmanuel amunike right also has the certifications also has coached in europe also he, he was even hired by tanzania to be their coach and i thought he did a good job considering I right thought so too. there's another coach right now nigerian coach i believe i'm not sure what country i think it's um i've forgotten his name he just took his team and they qualified for was it UEFA or something? He oh, did the, uh, the coach in Lithuania. Yeah, he, he did exceptionally well. There are guys out there. It's just yeah, like everything you, else, right? So, so what, what I'm saying is today, as we speak, are you yes. saying those guys should take over Raw's job? 
Right. That's not what I'm saying. No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. The longest tenure coach, our ranking has just look at the tangibles. Well, let me let me say this. Let me say this to you. Looking at other coaches, but with the coach that coaches the Super Eagles has to have qualifications of the highest level. You just and you just and you just made my point there. So what I'm saying to you is. If you don't improve the standards for developing your coaches, you're not going to have the pool of coaches to pull from. So my point is that you need to develop the standards at home to create an environment where your coaches at home get the highest standards, and then you'll be less likely to bring in foreign coaches in because the the, the guys I listen, I met a lot of these coaches in Nigeria, they have the pedigree, but they don't have the standards being set through the federation because it's the federation's responsibility to go ahead and create these standards so they can go ahead and elevate themselves to the to the level of being super eagles coach I if you know if you notice most of the guys most of the guys that have ended up becoming super eagle coaches were these former internationals the siasias the olises Right. I think my problem with the, with this 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 statement that NFL made is that we need to have like no we need what we need to say is we need to have the best coaches coaching the Super Eagles for the Super Eagles. If they're Nigerian, that's what I that's what I want in there. If they're foreigners, that's what I want in there. But let me ask you that question. Let me ask you this question, Mike. Will a Nigerian coach a will a Nigerian coach a German team? No, but I'm just saying, if, if if a Nigerian coach is doing well in Germany and he, he ended up coaching Dortmund or something, yeah, do you but think that's an unrealistic? Uh, no, uh, no it, it's, it's, it's not. So the, the, reason, the, the reason why I'm asking is. need them to come coach us. No, the reason why I'm asking is yes, we want to look at this thing and say, yes, it could be a foreigner and the person could come in and coach a Nigerian team. But let's be honest with ourselves. Even in the EPL, even if you take the second tier of football in England, how many black coaches do you see in those leagues? Not even black coach, Steph. How many foreign coach do you see? Oh no! No, for, you have foreign coaches, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm, because I'm, I'm bringing it back to how many black. I, I, we know, we know you have enough black players that have played at the highest level of EPL, have the credentials, but they don't get the high, they don't get the coaching jobs. So. If you look at it from that standpoint, and I'm not, I'm using England as an example, but you could go to Spain, you could go to Germany, you could go to Denmark, you could go to Norway, the list goes. And I know for a fact there are Nigerians that are actually coaching all these countries. And they could tell you stories of how challenging it is to get a coach, an assistant coaching job at a third division club. Mm -hmm. Right? So yes. for us to have our prized possession, the Super Eagles, in a country of 180, 200 million, whatever the number is. And we have a lot of guys who are highly qualified, mm -hmm. but they're not even given a place at the table. And then we, we, we look at coaches within Africa that have coached in Africa before. And we say, oh, yeah, this guy did well when he coached Namibia. Let's bring him here. Yeah, and we bring see, him bro, in. Him. I'm just saying. It's not true because we have given our Nigerian coaches a chance at the table prior to um, Gernot Raw. The, last, the three coaches in the row were all Nigerians, right? We had uh, Sunday Olise. Before Olise, uh, Samson Siasia took over in a care caretaker capacity. Before him was uh, um, Stephen Keshi, right? Who was before Keshi, Seth? 
Who was before Kashi? It was a foreign coach. It was a before Kashi. So it, it, it was Bertie Boats. Was but it was Boats now. Before Kashi was Siasia. Siasia took over from uh, not Bertie Boats but Lars Lagerback. Lars Lagerback took over from oh, La- and Lars Lagerback was a pure opportunist. Right. But, but that, but because he only coached us in the World Cup and then bailed. My point I'm making is that you cannot say that we haven't had Nigeria. We've given Nigerian a, a lot of opportunity. In fact, if you look at African football, apart from maybe Ghana, we are the country that has hired the most, just about the most local coaches. Go it's not that it's, it's not that we haven't it's not that we haven't given Nigerian coaches um, an opportunity. Is that the first consideration for that job should be a Nigerian coach by default? And if 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 not because because here's our, here's here's part of the issue, right? And this is part of, this this kind of goes into some of the behavioral issues you are seeing with the Super Eagles. They hire a Nigerian coach. He's just as good. He's probably even played for the Super Eagles. He comes in. And you start seeing some of these attitudes that you wouldn't see if a European coach was coaching. So it goes into that whole mentality issue as well. And this mentality issue goes into the people that make decisions for who they're bringing in to consider as a coach. I've, I've met coaches in Nigeria, right? I've met coaches in Nigeria. You'd be impressed by, by their pedigree, what they've accomplished, their knowledge. But these guys are not given the time of day. To even coach a local club, they're not even giving because it's all about who you know. You know this. So if the NFF, in looking to screen coaches, right? I had Nasir Jibril on my uh, on the podcast. Nasir makes the decisions for coaches that come to get hired in Abuja, and he said it. He said, "Look, we have we do have a problem with a lot of some of these guys don't have the credentials. Some of these guys haven't gone through the process." And they want to come and coach. He says some of them do have it. But says some of them that are coaching in Europe right now, it'll be hard to bring them back because the money might not make sense. He says some of the ones that we even do have that can come on to coach might not want to coach because what we'll pay a Nigerian coach mm-hmm. will be lower than what we'll pay Correct. a European coach. That's so, the problem. So we have we have this mentality issue, right? That the European, the European ice is colder. You just, exactly. You just made the point that I was going to that's make. The, that's, that's, the, the, that's the nail on the head. Do we have the same tolerance level for you know that we have that we give to foreign coaches? Do we also extend the same you know courtesy to to local coaches? If a Nigerian a local Nigerian person is at the end after a couple of you know losses, you know we're already clamoring. Oh, fire him! Fire him! Fire him. Get, get rid of him. It still comes down to that same mentality. Uh, you know. look, look at what Keshi went through, right? And Keshi pretty much matched what Westerhoff did. He did. Well, but know, Keshi, Keshi came back from that World Cup. So one can't argue with that. But even Keshi, and I know you, and this would be unpopular, Keshi was one of the reasons why our football went down like it did. Yes, he won the African Cup of Nations. I mean, you got to give him credit for that. But his player business dealings, the, the the level of head scratching when you look at who has been invited to the roster and you, you you mentioned something about oh the attitude for the players well of course the players have those attitudes when they they know that it doesn't matter what i'm doing some guy can stroll into camp pay the coach a couple thousand dollars and he's guaranteed a place it doesn't matter what form is 
everybody here, no matter, hang on, everybody here, no matter how much you want to argue about the case, will say this for a fact. Since Roar has been the coach, we know competition in camp is at its highest. Players are, for the most part, I'll say 95% of the time, picked on merit. And that 5%, majority of it has happened in the last two matches when Ahmed Musa was picked, when there's no way he should have been on that squad. Well, that's a whole different Magomago altogether. But in reality, we know if you're not performing, you're not playing on the Super Eagles. And Michael, I'm going to... Look I, I, at I'm the gonna... we're having. I know we're supposed to be talking about players. Just look at our Super Eagles players right now, especially the forwards. Everybody is playing at the optimum because they know it doesn't matter where I am if I don't perform. Somebody Michael, is going to take I, my spot. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there um, in regards to what you just talked about. It makes sense, but at the same time, I totally disagree with you. Okay. You know yeah. why? Why I said that is that now you said all these players now when they have a foreign coach, they are competing. The competition. No, is no, no. High. I didn't say that. What I said no. is under raw. I'm very specific. Okay, under raw. You know why? To most of the Nigerian coaches that we've had prior to raw. I'm not Do, going back in history. I'm going back in recent times. That's what I'm telling you. Do you know why? Recent local coaches that we've had. Do you know why? Do you know why the players are like that? I, I think I think one of the problems that we that Nigerian Super Eagles have been having not to be able to hire a local coach is these players. I could tell you for a big fact. Raw does not take their BS. Raw does not even accept what they are doing. And they listen to him because he does not care. He's not a Nigerian. He does not even follow their politics. And they would look at him that, okay, he's a white guy. If he says this, that's it. Even, even Raw deal with the players like Ferguson. Even though you are the best player, if you don't have a good discipline, he will bench you. But let's even catch you do that same thing. Gentlemen. The, the senator, the governor of... Taraba State or Guarimpa State or Nasarawa or, or Boko Haram State or Burikiri or whatever they call them. I don't even know where they're coming from. Bottom but you call them and say, oh, yo, whatever they speak, whatever. They, they say, why don't you put my boy? But you cannot do that with Roy. So this is the problem. You're not so giving them. So you're doesn't not giving the, so anyway? the, prob, the this problem. Is, this makes the point. It, this is, in fact, maybe that's so, more of a reason why we need to hire foreign coaches. No, I don't. Th I don't. I don't agree with that. Because I think if I was, if I was a coach, what the, the because I because for me, you know, I don't. I've not been really following Nigerian super good, but I can see this player, especially with Kelechi Nyanacho. If you watch Kelechi Nyanacho, when he comes back to Nigeria, his shoulder is like I think we have shoulder pad when he's walking. But when he plays in, uh, in his club, he's very humble because you know that you, even though you see one minute, one second to play when Jimmy Vard is there, he will thank God. Not now, I don't know, maybe the man that did it for him in Imo State, the Babala would did a good job for him now. That's so he's working. No, I'm telling you the truth. No, let's be realistic. You know, see Ahmed Musa, what is he playing? He's in Saudi Arabia. Who can smoke on sign? Oh, he's back. He's back with cannibalas. He has come back Can you imagine? We're living in very interesting times now. I'm sorry to cut you. We have a Super Eagles captain that is playing the cannibalas right now. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? So this is what I'm talking about. And if, like you said, the last match, Roy dropped, uh, the coach dropped him. 
because he doesn't care about his death. I did not see him in the last match. I didn't see him. Who? Musa. Musa played. He played against Lester. Okay, but Musa before. He invited when he was clubless, right? And it was an uproar among Super Eagles fans. We was why is this clubless guy being invited? And Raw came out and said, "Oh, if you look at the list, it's the twenty-three man list, but but Musa is at twenty-fourth non-playing captain. So we just invited him just to. So he didn't play against Bennett in a match that. Even okay, really I watched that one. I was saying he didn't play. Well, I didn't see. Soto, he came in in the last, I think, 15 20 minutes or so. In the okay, so, so, come, so, okay, but if, but if Keshi do that thing, even Yaradua will call. Uh, so, this is this is the problem. This is the this is. So don't say, oh, Roy is doing this, Roy is doing but that. But he is doing it. I'm, I'm, no, look, I'm going no. by what I can see. No, I he's doing it. And he's no doing it because he does not care no. about your government. Right. There's this and there's he does that. not care about yeah, your government. All, but see, at no. the same time, too, we've seen, we've seen, um, I, look, I can only go by evidence. You know, and, and we like to talk, but I can only go by what I know. I, what I don't know, I can't speak on. What I do no, know Bobby, is this. We've had mm. coaches, local coaches that have been implicated on numerous occasions for bribery scandals, including one that has been uh, assistant coach of Super Eagles. That was Salisu Yusuf. Salisu exactly. Yusuf. Go ahead. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is what I'm talking about. And, and so the assistant coach of Super Eagles means that he's next in line when if Roar is to say, God forbid, come down with some ailment and cannot coach on the sideline, this is the guy that's making the decisions. Banned from the team because of... of, of on camera, caught collecting bribes from players. Do you so know why? That, so, do you? Do, I'm not supporting that. that I'm not supporting that. But do you know? Facts and evidence. The fact is, our mm. local coaches, we have these issues in, of discipline in camp. We also have head scratching decisions about player selection. We see that all the time. And, and, and speaking of maybe not empirical evidence, but there's always, always all this insinuation with Stephen Keshi that. Of the 23-man roster, there are five guys in there that he's marketing. And you see guys that end up in Division Three in Italy and uh, some some random places. Those guys never make it anywhere, but they, they made it to the Confederations Cup. They went to the World Cup. And I'm like, what kind of rubbish is that? And don't forget that as much as uh, uh, as much as Keshi did well, and I will not poo-poo Keshi because he served the nation amicably as a player, won us the Nations Cup, so I thank him for that. He also mm -hmm. was part of the rock that then we didn't qualify for three out of four Afghans. Okay, I Until understand. It had to, the reason why, look, we did not, we were on the path of going for local coaches. We were on that path. But you, do you, but do you know the problem? Said, you know what? This isn't working anymore. No, but you just said the problem. You just, you, you measure the, the problem, and you measure the problem, and you said the solution. So oh. the problem why you said it, me, if I was a local coach, I would collect bribe times hundred. I'm seeing it in camera, in video. I will say that. You know why? Because you don't listen. Listen, you don't pay all these foreign coach in naira. You don't pay them in naira mm -hmm. to give them luxury car. A super good coach, he go with the out, roll out the red carpet. He goes out him, with uh, escorts. He, he, he the way he step his leg, he does not drink pure water. Such as he drink real ever water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so if you are paying them, if you are paying him, Roy will not collect. He doesn't even collect dollars. He collects euro. Supposedly euro. That's what I'm saying. You see, you don't pay them. You don't pay them in naira. They're not gonna. Wait, 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 Brian, go, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Mm. I also had to make a brief comment to say. You see, when we talk about how 
uh, we tend, to, you know, our players tend to respect, you know, foreign coaches more than they do with, you know, indigenous coaches. That's an angle to look at. You know, already they see that there's already a, a wide disparity between the welfare package of the local coach and the foreign coach. And now, you know, it's very evident how government attaches more importance to foreign coaches. There's, you know, maybe by way of access to the, the center, the government at the center, you know, all the perks that comes with his contract, which is lacking in the, you know, the contract with the foreign, co uh, the indigenous coaches. The players see these things. They see how you know these two these two classes of coaches are, are you know being handled differently yes. but also reflecting how they also become you know the relationship they have with the coaches yeah so until we until we you know until there's fairness you know whether you know this if you if you if you bring up a nigerian coach for instance now give him the same level of peck or you know the same you know same type of contract that you would give a foreign coach don't you think in a way that that would also impact him you know his relationship with the players and how I they see him. Let's try that. We've not done I that so far. I think I'm, I'm, I think let me say this. So I think the this this at least from my point of view is not this is not an indictment on Raw. I think Raw has been able to recruit some fantastic players that we wouldn't have been able to touch who are currently playing for Super Eagles. I think he has brought some kind of organization to the club, I mean, to the national team, uh, organization in how they play, organization in their discipline and how they approach matches and all of that. You can see it. There's no denying that, right? But Raw hasn't done that because he's a white man. You understand? Raw has done that because he's highly experienced and highly qualified. So what I'm saying is this, as a country, as a federation that's responsible for all aspects of football in the nation, it's your responsibility to elevate the standard of training and development of your coaches all across the board. Even the league, what kind of coaches are these league teams hiring? What kind of training do they have? What kind of training do you have to have to coach a professional club in Nigeria? These are things that they need to look at and say, across the board, we need to elevate the standard to a level that's very high. How often do they need to retake their examination for their certification? All these things. If you do that, then by default, iron sharpens iron. You're going to have a situation where you will have the cream that will rise to the top. And those guys are the guys that you will then approach to say, boom, these are our candidates for Super Eagles um, national team. And you would then interview them and look, have a standard for your salary. Like BDME said, have a standard for your salary. Don't say, oh, you know, this guy is coming from France, so we'll pay him this. Oh, this guy, you live in Lagos, so you're going to get this. No. This is the amount of money we pay our national team coaches. Arrange. Mm -hmm. exactly. And then negotiate, figure out what you're going to pay them and pay them. But when you have that discrepancy, like, like you were saying, Bidemi, and then, you know, you come in, the players know, oh, this one, he's getting peanuts. He's saying, oh, I, I can get you to play, but on the back end, you know, I'll work with your agent so that way I can get paid. That whole thing brings disrespect. The minute you do that, you know, exactly. there was... It undermines the, the coach. Definitely. Undermines the coach. So... Yeah. I, but I think it starts with the federation. My my criticism is is because there are only so many opportunities for a Nigerian coach. You have to be honest. Mm -hmm. You go to all these other countries; they're not going to give them the opportunity. Even in Africa, they're not going to give them the opportunity. If you're not getting the opportunity in your country, right, then you have a problem. Because if your opportunity in your country is being given to people from other nations, 
but people from other nations or other nations don't give you that opportunity when the hell are you going to coach you can so you that so that's the issue i have and i think the responsibility really in my opinion falls with the federation because they need to make sure you know you have so many guys in that country that have degrees have played at a high level right. very sharp individuals mm -hmm. that can do the job but you need to train and develop them get them to a point where they're good enough and then bring them into the forward so yeah they hired roar he's doing a fantastic job in my opinion he hasn't done as well as in terms of results he hasn't done as well as Keshi has done. He hasn't won AFCON. You know, he hasn't gone to pass the group stages of the World Cup. But he has brought in great players. They are playing good football. They are more organized. They are more disciplined. You know, and I don't know the answer to the question, but the question I ask is, okay, are they doing this because this is Roar's tactics or are they doing this because this is a European coach that they happen to respect more? You see what I'm saying? So... I don't know, but it's, it's something that I think NFF, because to have that kind of population and all those coaches, to not be able to invest the time and effort to make sure that if you say you have a Nigerian coaching license, it should be able to stand with any other coaching license in the world. That's the point I'm trying to make. But you know, I think for me, I, I'm going to contribute to that and that question you asked. Is that for, is it because it's Roy? Is it because it's a uh, standard of Roy? I don't think it's by the standard of Roy. It's because of it's a foreign coach and he doesn't care about what they think. He does not care what the politicians think, whoever your father is. He doesn't care about who you are. He would do what, but they, they don't believe in Brian. He knows his integrity. And the Nigerian people, they know that. So they cannot just approach him that way. Because again, where he's coming from, German, they don't take that. They, they are very vocal. They will tell you straight to their, I don't like how you're treating me. This is the amount I want. And they don't negotiate that much. And they tell you what they want. So, but if they give all the same thing, like I, like you said, and again, I think I've had the player told, told one of the Nigerian local coach that, oh, I could pay your salary. I could pay you. If a player feel that way, you know, feel that way towards a coach, like, why would they respect you? Why would I respect you if I feel like I can, just for example, Nigerian police, if I can give him 20 naira, you know, so why why should I respect you as a police guy? If I give him twenty or ten naira, in fact, if I give him fifty dollars, he will give me his gun, straight. So all these things you got to invest money in them, like you said, you know, pay them the same, give them the same package you give for a coach, give them the same thing, treat them the same. I'm telling you, charity begins at all until the top starts, before the below starts, and if they treat these players, these coaches. Like the way they treat these foreign coaches, Nigeria will never go out to go and look for coaches. And if all these coaches, if they say, you know what, I don't care about you, but if this coach dropped a player that was introduced by a senator, by a governor, they would turn back against him and fire him. You understand what I'm saying? So they go, why can't they cannot do that with Roy? Because Roy does not even care about them. He does not even he does not have anything to do with them. If they call him for national team, he will sit down and talk to them. But they can, he knows they know they cannot bribe him. They know because he will expose them. But that's their license belief. So I just think uh, with all this coaching, and again, I believe this has been since 1960 when Nigeria started, when Nigeria get independence. In fact, since they started playing soccer, I think that's the problem, and this is why Nigeria has never progressed. I don't even know how, what kind of fasting and prayer that they did to even go through first round uh, qualification. 
qualifying stage of World Cup. If you see uh, Atlanta 96, was he the black coach? No. Those players, they were dedicated. They were mature. They were not earning so much money like as these players are earning. But again, he's still a foreign coach. And I've forgotten who that coach is. You know, my friend Joe. My friend Joe. I'm Joe. Yeah. See, it doesn't take all these players, all these coaches. They don't care about you. They drop you. They they just leave you. So if they can, if Nigerian government can look into this, trust me, the things everything will change because it's the same license Roy has. It's the same license the Nigerian local people has. You know, so it's just a matter of transparency and taking care. If you take good care of me, of course, why should I collect Brian? But if you don't take care of me, before the players sleep, I won't ask for Maserati. <laughs> but I think, I think, I, I, I think the, the, the foundation of this problem, honestly, is because NFF is not an independent organization. I mean, I've said it. for If, if, if you are taking money from government, if, if the senators are House of Rep people, have to see they see your budget and they're like okay we're approving x amount for nff every year then the minute that happens your operations and your decision making has become politicized you're in their pocket you're done you cannot make decisions as an organization anymore you keep in mind if they do try to interfere fifa comes down and say they're going to ban nigeria no interference in football so that means you're meant to be independent but the problem is you can't be independent because dude you're taking money from these government and for the, the legislature approves your budget so you don't make decisions anymore so your your organization is now politicized so if you do have a nigerian coach that comes in there it's like okay these are my 11 i'm playing i want senator that was involved in approving your budget calls you and is like hey listen no this this guy i know him he's from my states he should be in the team or maybe Roy said, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to uh, invite Ahmed Musa. And then someone calls from Kanu and says, "Hey, Luko, this is our guy. Please invite him." Rock can say no. So yeah, I'll invite him, but he's not playing. Okay, just invite him. These things happen on. The, I'm telling you, they happen on a daily basis. And the problem is, NFF is not independent. You can't be an independent organization if someone else is funding. Just. I just play them. Let them sell the organization to me. I know how to handle it. Trust me. I organize. I organize Trump. I can organize them. Don't worry about it. So, Pito and uh, and uh, Bomo and NFL. What do you guys think about? Uh, are, are you guys aware of what's going on with uh, um, qualifiers for the World Cup? Because that's that's what's upcoming now, Abi. So yeah, have, yeah, yeah. We have World Cup in the horizon. We have our players painting Europe red with goals. Mm -hmm. We have this issue where um, all of a sudden it looks like we have more players in certain, especially in the striker position, than we have room for them. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. But I think the countries we're playing are Central African Republic, Liberia, and I, I, I forget the uh, whoever the fourth country is. They're just there to make up the numbers, as far as I'm concerned. But. And, you know, and the, and the qualification format is the top team from the group will advance to play a two-legged series. Again. Ten, there are ten groups, and ten of the top teams will advance, and then based on ranking, FIFA rankings, then they'll be matched against other teams that qualify as top winners, and then they play two legs, home and away, to see the top five teams from Africa to qualify. So what do you guys think about our, our chances in our group? With Liberia and Central African Republic as fighting. 
certainly the two biggest uh, obstacles in that group. You know, I, I feel... Sorry, Brad, go, go ahead. No, no, go you know, for it. I, I just feel like, you know, given the kind of players we have, the quality we have, you know, if they show up to play and we rule out all these other factors like pitch and stuff, man, we should breeze through. We should breeze through this stuff. It shouldn't even be an obstacle. If we really see ourselves as the kind of team that should be getting to the next World Cup, getting into the qualifying rounds and maybe making the quarterfinals, then we need to show that from this point on. That trend needs to start. We can't be going and playing games and saying, oh, we, we ended up losing 1-0 to Central African Republic. No, no, no. That shouldn't even be a factor. Mm-hmm. You know, we should go in, clean out, clean out. Our, our, our bench should be able to clean out these teams. Let me put it like that, based on what I've seen from that team. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, if you look at our group, we're talking Cape Verde, uh, Central Africa Republic, Liberia. Um, it's not an easy group, bro. Um, Cape Verde is good. Cape Verde is Cape Verde is pretty I, I, good. Again, Central African Republic is good too. Gentlemen, you see, maybe we don't share the same level of maybe the way we look at it is different in terms of I still I'm still one of those guys who I'm still pretty much I cling strongly on you know the Nigeria of yesterday. I, I know it might sound like you know too much of come on things change. You can compare what football was in the last decade to now. But look. I still, start, I still want to maintain that, look, if we, there's no way that we can't take away that element of, uh, you know, football, how do I put it now? The football nation's mentality to say, when you're talking about football playing nations side by side, even if you compare them on paper, how do they rank? Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, look, if we're discussing this, let's say 15 years back, 20 years back, by now, we'll be making predictions and be saying it won't be a question of whether we're, we're winning or losing. It'll be a question of okay, how many goals up? I mean, by how many goals are we going to be defeating each of these teams that we just listed? But today, we're having a different conversation. We're now saying, okay, how do we see? How do we think we're going to fare? How are we going to? At the end of the day, I have no doubt that we're going to, you know, we we'll definitely qualify in that group. But then, how easily would that, you know, you know, play out? Uh, if you ask me, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think we have all it takes. We really have all it takes to get the job done. And I don't see any... I, we don't even need to do anything extra, honestly, to be honest. We just need yeah. to just play our game, just do our thing. And then we... I think it's, that's why my, the, the issues I've always had with our team is the mentality. Um, when I say mentality, whether it's from you underrating a, an opposition or just feeling that, okay, you've gained enough points for you not to take a certain match as seriously as you should. You know, so those are the kind of areas that I, in those areas, I, I'm not very confident with the, on the, in the team. But if we were to approach this squarely to say, look, be business-minded in every, every of these matches, honestly, I have no doubt that we'll, not, we'll, we'll scale through all of these matches and we'll, we'll qualify. Yeah, but, I, I think, I, think I, I, I share your sentiments. One thing, just with slight, one slight disagreement, and that's just looking at since Raw took over also. Since Raw took over, this is exactly what I've been talking about, the level of professionalism Super Eagles have had. Yeah, maybe the Sierra Leone match was a blip on the on the radar. But in terms of qualifiers, with Roar, Nigeria is just about always scaled through qualification for any tournament with flying colors. In fact, never in the history of Nigerian football, this is very interesting, never in the history of Nigerian football have we gone through three consecutive qualifiers where we qualify with at, with at least one game to spare every time. 
despite how good that we've always been and you bring in days of yore, it still takes me back to something I, I mentioned earlier in this in this podcast, which was even as good as Nigeria was from all those sets, we, it was always lose on the road, draw at the best, win at home. Mm. The mentality has changed. Now we go we go out and we get three points on the road, and we fully expect to get three points on the road. I think what, what people are saying, uh, people really miss is that it's, we don't have that flair that we used to have. That's a fact. That well, flair and entertainment yeah. factor Super Eagles used to have is not there anymore. When you look at the results, Brewer is the best performing coach by winning percentage in Super Eagles history. You know, and, and again, again it, it, it probably surprises some of you if you didn't know that. But really, yeah, I need to look, I need, I need to look that up. I'm not, yeah. We've only lost, I think we've only lost two competitive matches in, in African football on the Deonor Raw. One was South Africa when they beat us, when we had we fielded uh, uh, an inexperienced team. Okay. In the in the in the yeah. Afghan qualifiers, and we still came back and won that group. It uh, was it one or two games to spare, and the second was at the semifinals of the African Cup of Nations, Algeria last year. Other than that, we we don't lose to African opposition at home. So when you look on paper, this at least this first part of the qualifiers, I I don't have any feeling that we're not going to top the boot. We may, we, of course, it's football, so we may stumble one way here and get a draw where we should have won somewhere. But at the end of the day, I think everybody would agree with favorites on paper. And then if you just look at the caliber of players that we're producing now, come on, man. Raw has a problem on his hand. How to pick How his to forward pick. line right now. Yeah. Outside of Victor Osiman, that's what I'm saying. Kelechi, who else? So that's what I'm saying. So, with the level of Arsenal that are at our disposal, right? Um, that's what I'm saying. This team should be like a walkover for us, honestly. I still want to maintain that. No, no, no. Bright, you have a point. Because I think, you know, and you're right, by the way, Mike, that the Raw's winning percentage and his ability to to at least help we get through games, we might not we might not beat you, but we're not going to lose. Right? If you if you watch our games, you know, you find it hard to beat us. Even if you look at a solid team like Algeria in the last AFCON, right? That game we played against them, that was an impressive game we played. It took a miracle free kick from Mares at the end. To get them a victory, and even a the Algerian player. one, yeah, a great player, great free kick, right? Even Maris at the end said, "Damn, that Nigerian team is." They all the Algerians were like, "Those guys are solid," mm. right? So when you step on the pitch with this current team, and especially if you're a good team, good luck. You know, you you, you have a fight on your hands, right? Mm -hmm. So these guys are solid, and and they're gonna come to play, you know. So Raz, no no question about that. You know, Raz has done that. Um, the thing is we have the quality players right and and that's why i said ruling out all the other factors of improper transportation and terrible pitch and i mean let's be honest right they said you can find out oh we had to we ended up getting here this morning and we had to play this afternoon <laughs> <laughs> right what are you going to do right so so yeah but Pinnick Pinnick is going to uh fifa now so someone else is going to take over mm -hmm. right it might be akim with me we don't, i don't know but we'll see but the thing is um you know end of the day if you look at our squad goodness the especially the offensive power is is yeah, that's what I'm saying. yeah. teams that players are going to have to sit back Mm -hmm. I try to catch us on counter because we made mistakes. If they decide to play an open game with us, mm. especially especially these teams we've called, good luck. Good luck. They'll eat like five. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I, 
you know. Yeah, and it'd be tough to see. You can see now when you look at these countries. Already, you should expect that their their tactics would be to pack the bus against us and try to nake on the counter against us. You know, 100%. And, and that's that's where I think the one thing that we are missing in the Super Eagles is someone to unlock unlock defenses like that on a consistent basis. Alexi will be for all he, he you know his in, a, endeavor, and by all means, his numbers in Super in the Super Eagles show a player with high work rate. And but there's still something missing. From that that number ten position, and that of all the glut of attacking options we have right now is every country in the world. I'm not talking about Africa now. The world would be would be jealous of us. We have Simeon Wankwar, who scored 19 goals in Serie A, although his team is pretty much rooted to the bottom of Serie A because the defense is atrocious, and he's broken the record set for most goals scored by a Nigerian Serie A. I think it was 17 goals or 16 by Obafemi Martins. Um, Martins. Yes, we have that's my dude. Paint in Europe with goals. He even scored a hat trick today against uh, Samuel Carlos' team, Bordeaux. He's got 14 goals now, which is one more than Victor wow. Men had last last year in in the same France. Although in fairness, Victor didn't play the whole season, but I think if they had as many, just about well, maybe not as many games because they ended in March. Uh, who else do we have? We have um, uh, Victor Simeon himself in, in Napoli, who, although his season didn't get out to a great start, if you've been watching the last five games, he scored three goals. He's starting to, he's starting to show. And there's Kalechi in Achor, where he's just, he's just scoring for fun now. In fact, he's he crap in that game, but at least he found the net. He should have scored like three goals. Yeah, yeah. Goals is not a problem. Samuel Tukowicz, all of a sudden, is finding a net. He scored three mm-hmm. goals in his last three matches, including three in La Liga and one in uh, – four goals in his last three matches, including three in La Liga and I think one in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. I may be off by the one in Europe, but he's definitely garnered – out of three out of his last four matches, he's garnered a man of the match honors. Uh, I know I'm missing – oh, why could I miss Paul Nacho? Paul Nacho. He scored over 30 goals in Belgium in all competitions, including 29 in the league. And he's Paul is the most Belgium. 30 goals, and he'll set the he's on pace to set the. I was I was watching him today at Genk when Why? Genk played. Yeah, Genk Genk played, played uh, guy, yeah. Banging yeah. goals like he's going out of fashion. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, Circle Bruges. He's he's the Chelsea product. He's actually. Is I want to see that English? guy come over. Yeah, I think he should move over to England, honestly. Like, yeah, but there's no room for the And the other guys are still there. There's uh, Tawa Muni waiting in the weeks. Peter Olayinka playing in, uh, in, in, in Prague. Uh, 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 who's the other guy? That's, Emmanuel Dennis. Emmanuel that's, Dennis. Have, and then, and then you, have, you have those boys at Fulham. Uh-huh. That's just Maja. He's not even in the record. And you have Cyril. He's not even in the same team as, um, as uh, main man or not you. You know, so... What's that that guy's name that plays for a r- amazing array of talent, by the way. I'm so impressed with that Terry Murphy guy. That kid, to me, yeah, you've been you've been sending messages about that. He's coming. Terry Murphy is coming. He has the when you watch his game, it fits the Super Eagles mold. Mm. He's to me, he's the natural backup for Victor Osimeno. If you mm-hmm. have two of them playing together, that's that's the team. That's the two man forward. 
Because Onuatu is good off the bench if you want to switch up the tactics. Okay, when I want to throw long balls in and just crosses in, we have a six foot five player, so great. Six foot seven, actually. So great. <laughs> let's let's use that ability of him. And I think that's. Raw likes him, though. Raw likes Onuatu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he loves yeah, because, him. Because, I mean, because, you know, yeah. it's. Fair coach good. would love him. <laughs> it's all. But to me, no, actually, I, I'm not a big fan of his because he doesn't disturb the defense. Like, when, see, one thing about Victor Simen, eh? he may not score a goal. If you're a defender, you know you played against a center forward that day. By the time that man runs you ragged, every ball. Yeah, he runs. And he has pace. He has pace. pace. But he just, he bothers defenders. Defenders don't know. And, you can, and the thing I like about him, too, he's adaptable. You can play him in a two-man offense, but shunt him to the wings. You know, so he can be be, be in a two-man offense, but play on the but, side. But Mike, I'll I'll say I'll say this to you. Uh, I think our Achilles spot is this: outside of Indidi, who else? We don't have someone else in that midfield. To, you and I know it's not our boy. What's his name? Our Wafi boy. It's not a table. So no, not we him. we we. We have an issue there because all these guys we're talking about, these are all dynamic forward players, wingers, forwards, supporting strikers. These are the guys we're talking about, right? We're deep. You go into that midfield, and now you're talking outside of Indidi. Who? So, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the, the, the guys that we have there now, there's, there's one kind of issue or another with all of them. When you think about Joe Aribo, Aribo is still adapting. Aribo is not bad, though. Aribo is, Aribo not, is bad. not bad. He's, he's putting up scintillating performances for his club in Scotland. They've already won the league, so now they're just, and they lost today in the Scottish Cup. And he actually had an assist. But he produces a lot of good numbers. And when you see him play against, when he played against Brazil and the friendly in Ukraine, you saw his quality. Those are those are top-notch nations of football in the world we're talking about. But um, surprisingly, he struggled in African football. In Africa, which is not on, which is not rare for guys coming from there. Because, again, the pitches. Before you run, you have to look to see which one is the pothole. You know, you're trying, you know, and the ruggedity of African football, the defenders, they're tackling. It takes and a referee doesn't call fouls the way they do in Europe. Exactly. So I, I, I yeah. cut him some slack, because, but the quality is undeniably there. So perhaps once he gets, once he gets used to the pace, and I think he will, then we can start seeing the best out of him on the continent. A table, my problem with a table is his game has just not gotten refined. He still has too much gra in his game, loses the ball too much. It, 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 it just it needs to clean out, yeah, it needs to brush off his game. His yeah. game is not refined. Then we have Iwobi. Iwobi is in that middle. He's the key man, actually. The problem, though, is that that's not the position he plays in his club. But that's not the position. And he's not playing that of recent. He's not even that's playing of recent, yeah. He has lost faith in him. And even when he plays, he deploys him as right back, right wing back, left wing back. He uses he's him in the wings so much. Rarely do you see Alex yeah. playing central midfield and being a number 10. He prefers Sigurdsson and even James Rodriguez to play those positions where he will be. So that's a problem. And, outside, and, and really, once you get past those four guys... There is no other midfielder of note in Nigeria that we can call yeah. right now. Yeah. Of note. Mm. Kelechi and Natura, you know, so I'm saying we should uh, deploy him as an attacking midfielder. He can play it, but that's no, not his Here's the thing, right? People sometimes say these things, but you have to realize if day in, day out at your club, you're but, training 
and playing at a particular position and you're, you become that guy at that position, it's very difficult for you to now come into the national team and play a totally different role. Let's say, okay, I'll, I'll put it like this. If you're playing supporting striker at your club and they decide to move you to striker at, at, at your national team, that's doable, right? Because it's, it's very similar. But if you're playing striker and they want to now move you to attacking mid, you know, now you're changing. He's not going to be an efficient guy. You don't see a lot of top teams do that with their, 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 their top players. So, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know. We don't seem to have a lot of guys that, that play those roles. You know, um, JJ left and that gap has been there ever Larry. since. Part of the problem, I think, also is that even the guys that come up maybe in Africa in those positions, by the time they get to Europe, they move them from those positions. They now make them central defensive midfielders or wingers. And they never they never trust a, a, an African player to really take they, – they just don't have the patience with them. Even if you think about Jijo Okocha, even him, as great as we eulogize Okocha, he never played for any top clubs. Yeah. In his yeah. By the time he came to the limelight, he was already kind of maybe PSG. But by the time he came to the limelight, he was already kind of late in his career because he, he was never allowed or trusted to, you know, unlock it. Or catch up with all the pedigree and skills he has should have been playing for Champions League contenders. Yeah, you know? 100%. 100%. A lot of these guys, they you're right. They come in, and once they come in, they're like, oh, yeah, you're an African player. Okay. You're very you physical. Run. You can yeah. run. We'll put you in the wings. <laughs> You know, it's almost like they look at them and say, okay, you can't think too much you on your feet. You don't have the intelligence. Exactly. So we'll put you at a place where it's just brute force or natural ability, speed, dribble, or you're a defender. We'll put you at defense, you're strong, or you're a winger, or you're a defensive mid. You don't have to do too much. Two touches, release the ball. Right? Yes, yeah. That's what you see. And, and it's unfair because... A lot of these guys can do a lot more than that. But I also think it has to do with some, you know, level of coaching. I mean, they haven't been playing in Europe, so they get there and these guys look at them and say, okay, I don't have time. You know, we can use you more here. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't try to see the skills that they have outside of um, outside of the, the other aspects. Anyway, you know, but that's one thing that we're lacking Definitely. We do have some players, though, that are in the pipeline, and these are mainly foreign-born players that, you know, coach. even Coach Rohr is looking at uh, Iberichese. Iberichese uh, plays for Crystal Palace. Yeah, he, that boy's good. sort of insulted Nigeria to a certain extent, where he's like, oh, I'm still thinking about it. I want to focus on But And the reality is one knows that if you say you're thinking about it, it means you're holding out hope that England will call you. You know, yeah. so far he hasn't gotten that call. He's opted to play for the under-21s in England. Uh, rather than come play for the Super Eagles. And the, the sad part is that this guy actually was part of a camp for a friendly way back in about 2017, right? So, you know, hopefully he's one player that I think can help solve that I, I, is, a, is a special talent. Yeah, the thing, the thing about... Is Michael Lisset. He actually was invited on the standby list in the last, um, in the last round of um, African qualifiers. He plays for Reading, but my problem is... Yeah, I get it. He's, he's doing well in that position for, for Reading. But the truth is, Reading is in the championship in England. Yeah. Right? So, um, anyways. I'm looking at the comments of these other guys. Uh, just reading it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I yeah, so yeah, yeah. So that's 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 kind of what you uh what you have going in um in uh in in in, in, the, in those positions. But I think ultimately, I think honestly, um, it may be a little too late. I don't know. Maybe that Michael Lisa guy. And if if Eritrea decides he wants to play for Nigeria, I think he'll walk into the squad. He'll probably compete with he will be, but. I've, I've held out hope for he will be, but I don't, his game is not maturing. His game just seems to have stagnated. Yeah, I think it's because of how they're using him at Everton. I think, you know, it will be, if you notice at Arsenal, yeah, he played the wings, but they also used him at, at, at that middle so every now and then, you know, and he would run at defenses. But over here, they've just kind of relegated him to that spot. And that's where he's just been. And I think for most part, he's, he's probably looked at it like, okay, look, this is how I'm going to get on the field. So this is how this coach wants to use me. This is what I'll do. I think it will be still one of our special guys because, like you said, he comes in and he puts in that shift. He 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 has that mentality of it's a pride to play for for Nigeria, and he does it consistently. You see it. Um, so that's the one thing. You, he's one of those guys, and when he does step in and he's having a good game, he changes the game. You know so. The, the other thing is, this ability is a thing, you know, I don't know who's advising him, but look, the thing is this. Look at what happened to Tammy Abraham, right? Um, you want to play for Nigeria or, or Tomori, you know. Now look at it. Those, those countries aren't calling them up again. You know, Tammy Abraham, if you had decided to play for Nigeria, even if he's, like now he's been burnt at Chelsea, he'd have still come, he'd have still been called up. He'd still been called up. You know, it wouldn't have hurt him in any way at all. But now, if, if he doesn't start for Chelsea, you and I know he's not playing for England. And he's not going to be able to play for any country if if he's not starting. So he's, if this continues with Tuchel at Chelsea, he may end up leaving to go to another club where he's... No, nah, he's been, leaving, definitely. I think that he was in Aston Villa as one team that is already... Yeah. Him. But he's definitely not... Tuchel doesn't even... Fans, one thing about Tuchel, like he didn't even mince words. He, he doesn't rate mm-hmm. him at all. At all. Simple at as all. That, you know. At all. It's that simple. He doesn't rate him, and you know, it's just the way football is. Sometimes some coaches come in and they're like, ah, no, you know, you're not, you're not the guy, and there's nothing you can do about it. So I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, a very cheesy should look at. He's the man right now, at Crystal Palace. But you know, if you're holding out hope for. England, and you end up going to play for one of the top six clubs. Let's say he goes to play for Tottenham or something, and you know, you end up not starting. Yeah, they're not going to call you up anymore, man. Yeah, I don't see him making it to the squad for uh, the Euros this year anyway, because I feel like that squad is already... If you're not on that... Uh, if you didn't make it to that team, you're not going to make it to the, to the tournament at this point. That's how yeah. they usually do things there. Well, yeah, anyway, he's all good. So the other one's that Michael Lisa kid. He's young, though. He's only 18 years old. So even if he's, um, even if he plays the size of play, he's eligible for friends. And I believe yeah. maybe even England, too. But if he, um, if, he, if he opts to play for Nigeria, he's not the solution immediately. But this is like more of a long term thing. And I feel yeah. like long term, maybe even as, as, as soon as the World Cup. You know, but those guys up front, the Super Eagles strikers, they need they need someone that can get them the ball. You know, they need guys that can get them the ball. They'll be just wasted. And this is this is this is right now. I feel like 
this this particular season is probably the best season that we've ever seen from Nigerian forwards in Europe in oh, history. Yeah. The, the but that's the one position that we that final third in terms of positions. There's no lack in it. We're, 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 I mean, we will have we, could, we should have three deep at every position, right? Um, which is good because it will push everyone to be at the top of their game. Now you get into that midfield. That's where, you know, I start to have defense. The concern is not as much as midfield. No. Midfield, the only one guy we know, especially that defensive role, is indeed is our only guy. Yeah. Even, Defensively... Even, what we do, what we really lack is that depth. We our front line players, I think, are pretty decent enough. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that that's our, our strongest point in the field. And even our goalkeeper uh, department is still a question mark. But yeah. I think it's it's more solid than it was given going into Afcon at this point. Yeah. Because uh, and I mean, we Afcon we had Akbayi as our starter, and I think you and I both know no one ever felt comfortable with him as the starter of the Super Eagles at that point. But yeah. uh, we have young untested goalkeepers right now. Uzoha has played in the World Cup so, and played a game in the Afcon, so he has some experience. Uh, and then uh, our current um, our current uh, number one goalkeeper, Madoka Koye, you know, he's had, a, he's had some ups and downs, let's put it like that. But he's playing consistently in Europe, so that's a good thing. So, But the defenders themselves, I think outside of the starters, where you have the Oibo wall, the biggest issue is we don't really have depth, solid depth. depth behind those those starters. So if you look at the Oibo wall, right? You look at the Oibo wall. Who is who? Who backing them up? The guys that back them up don't really give confidence. Awazim is very error prone. Uh, what's his name? Omero is playing in Division Two. When he played in Division One, he played in yeah, team yeah, that got yeah. relegated. So I mean, Omero Omero needs to be replaced. Yeah, and Awazia. You know, they, they need yeah. to find other guys who are capable. Wait, wait, Semi Ajayi. Ajayi is not very good. He's not yeah. very good. He's he starts for he starts for West Brom every he, game. he hasn't been starting in the last month. He's lost his place. He's not very, he's like, and again, he's just not very, he's not adapt. he's just African game. He's slow, he's plotty. He just, he's just, he's average. He's really below average. That's just the truth. Yeah, you want yeah. to be very objective and honest. He, he, can he improve? Yes. The other guy we, that's that's in the horizon is Tosin uh, Derabioyo or whatever his name, I cannot pronounce that name, that plays for Fulham. You know, him. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about, yeah. He's, um, he, I think he was, he he commit. He said he wanted to play for Nigeria, and then recently the word is nah, he's just now thinking about it. So I don't really know if he's really going to play for Nigeria. Or not. And, and, and uh, you see that that's another thing, right? I think the invitation should only be extended once, and once you get a shaky response, or oh, forget about it. This whole thing of sometimes they try to persuade guys. No, don't do that, because this is this is the national team, right? There needs to be something above, you know, personal interest. Like you have, because these games are tough, man. They take you in the middle of the year to Sudan, to Khartoum, to go play a qualifier. And they schedule the game at three o'clock in the afternoon. Listen, you better have something more than just, <laughs> than just, um, listen, because that son will beat you down. Nice. It's not going to, it's not going to be 
a cakewalk. They will slide tackle you. It's going to be rough. Yes, 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 yes. It's going to be rough. So you need someone that really wants to be there. You know what I mean? That yes. really wants to be there. So You need commitment. You need commitment, man. You need quality. And I always say the guys that we should invite, they should should have something better than what we already have available anyway. So if you look at the fullback positions, I think maybe right back is where we have our greatest depth in our defense in terms of quality. And I'll say they're all about the same quality. And right now the provincial provincial starter is uh, Olaina. But, yeah, he's he's good offensively. He could be better defensively. Defensively, yeah. Tyrone yeah. Aguirre, he has come in, and he seemed like he's starting to ride around in the form. People certainly like him. I like Tyrone. I like Tyrone Aguirre. Yeah, he still, to me, is great. He's okay. I don't see anything extra special about him. Abdullahi Shehu uh, plays in Nicosia in, in uh, Cyprus, I believe. Um, he's also the right back. He's been a servant. He's, Raw seems to really like him. But the only thing, the only thing I like about him is I think he can play defensive mid, midfield too. In fact, most people are saying he's probably the more natural backup to NDD than any of the other guys we have. Really? He played in that match against Sierra Leone once uh, a table got injured, and you know NDD didn't come because he was injured too. He played in that match against Sierra Leone, although in the rice farm that they call the pitch. <laughs> and he he actually played well, but again, quality of opposition not very high. Pitch horrible, so I can't really use that as a baseline for saying, "Oh, he's he should now be the the backup." But he's a squad player, and certainly Ross envisions that role as part of the role he plays too. And then there's one more player too. Oh, yeah, Kingsley, easy boy, who plays in Cologne in in Germany, right? He been a little. He got invited last year, right before the, the Afcon qualifiers, but COVID cut that short, and. And then he got injured and lost a little bit of form too, so he didn't get invited. Him. So in that right back position, left back we have a good player but inexperienced. Uh, Sanusi, Zaidu Sanusi. Yeah, yeah, Zaidu, Zaidu. I like I, in that Champions League game. Yeah, I was watching. Yes. He's good, although he has a lot to do defensively. His defensive aspect of the game is still a little naive, but I think he'll get tightened up. He's already got the one part that I think us Super Eagle fans will be able to say he's good offensively. He's fast. Yeah, yeah it's he fast. He he, do, he doesn't get tired. Mm-mm. This kid runs for 90 minutes, man. Yes, yes. He'll yeah. learn defensively and he'll get better. He'll get, yeah. he'll get stronger too. Ainai is his deputy. So I not can play, and that's see that's the one thing I like about Raw squad. He builds a team of versatile players, so more, players can play usually more than one position. Yeah, you shunt them if the attacking players can shunt them to the wings. You know, maybe get like he will be winger and play in the midfield a little bit. Or Hannah Chor can play as a second striker, and he can in the pinch operate as a guy in the middle, like he kind of was doing in in the matches between against Bene and um, Lesotho. And and so on and so forth. So, like you said, I agree with you, though. I think in every other position, we have adequate numbers and players and maybe some backups, but we don't have that clearly in the midfield. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Hey, it's been a nice one. We've done two hours, approximately two hours. Um, yeah, man. We'll schedule another one. Try to get through all of these. Absolutely, man. Super Indeed, Eagles World Part you Two. Know, you know I can talk Super Eagles all day, That's dude. Awesome. I could keep going on and on and on <laughs> as well, man. As well, I think we we schedule the next one. I was thinking about doing a live. But I don't know something we could talk about. To see, oh, I'm I'm down for that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that should be fun. But yeah, hundred percent. All right, guys, signing out. Peace. Okay, man. Take it easy. Have a good night.